Today on the show, we have Dave Howard. I hope you enjoy this episode. I certainly am so glad to have him on. Dave is the founder of a couple of different veteran charities. Him and his family run the Canadian Legacy Project and as well, Homes for Heroes, which actually creates tiny homes for veterans. When I first spoke to him a couple of years back, it was just at the beginning stages, but now there is an up and running tiny home village for veterans in Calgary. There's another one they've broken ground with in Edmonton and it is going national. So, so happy to have Dave Howard on. Please do share this episode as much as you can. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoy it. At Operation Tango Romeo, we are on a mission to save lives and relieve pain by making peer support for post-traumatic stress disorder easily accessible, with a vision of a world where finding help and support is simple and the path to recovery is clear. I am your OPSO, Mark Meinke, and this is Operation Tango Romeo, the Trauma Recovery Podcast. In three, two, one. Dave? Howard, thank you so much for being here, sir. Well, thank you for what you're doing, and it's always a pleasure to chat with you. Well, it is a pleasure, and this time we'll we'll stay in a safer lane, I think. Uh, last time we talked, uh, there was a little bit of blowback. Well, as, you know, I think that uh, I said some things about um, the Legion in Calgary that um, uh, some folks across the country got upset about, uh, you know, I, I said comments that I knew to be true, unfortunately, and uh, there's mismanagement that I saw going on within the organization. And um, you know, I put that out and, um, you know, it's unfortunate that it, it upset um, other members across uh, the country. That wasn't my goal. I apologize to them. Um, I just believe that that organization can do a lot of good and uh, it just needs good leadership to do so. Well, there's a lot of fracture within the veteran support arena, and that's part, one of the goals of this show. And actually, when you and I spoke, I had suggested uh, maybe having a resources link, which I don't know if it was from uh, my recommendation or not, but you've done that on, on your various websites. You do have links for different resources on there and on OperationTraumaRecovery.org, which is um, it's up and running, but it's still being developed. There's links on there as well for provincial and national and actually even international um, support links. Yeah, actually it was because of the conversation that we had. I think it was an oversight by our behalf. So Canadian Legacy Project, uh, you know, our goal is to support um, our veterans across Canada. And um, in doing so, you know, we understand that we need to work with other organizations. And, And as you said, it is a fractured space. Unfortunately, um, some don't play well with others. And I'm not sure if that's the idea that um, they fear that, you know, somebody's going to jump into their lane and grab their funding or not. But um, I've always been of the idea that we are stronger together. We're better together. Our goal here is to help those that that uh, stood on guard for our country. And I think it's important that we work together. I, the same with Homes for Heroes. Um, you know, we are a tool in the toolbox. We are not uh, the end all, the only thing that is going to help uh, those that have 
are experiencing homelessness, but uh, we believe that we have a very good pragmatic solution. Um, but there's others out there too, but so we want to work with everybody. It kind of reminds me of the medical community, actually. My sister is a physiotherapist, and <laughs> the physiotherapists and the chiropractors, nobody ever seems to get along. Um, and they don't like referring back and forth to each other. It's it's kind of like team sports. My team's better than your team, and it's it's a strange thing, especially when the end goal is to help and support others. I, I don't get it. Yeah, I don't. You know, look, I'm, you know, my business background, I'm an entrepreneur. I, I own a number of businesses and um, we always seem to want to reach out and work with others and uh, do proper research before we start to uh, start any enterprise, any company. And that's what we've done with Canadian Legacy and with Homes for Heroes. So, look, I'm always open to chat with with anyone. Um, you know, we're it's crazy busy for us, but I'm always open and and happy to hear from uh, people on their ideas and, and uh, things that they've seen within the community that uh, we might or should be working on. We're happy to have that chat. It's funny how many people are out there talking about ideas, and then there's you who actually does them. Uh, not by yourself, of course, you have a team around you, but mm-hmm. you you take the ball, you run with it, and you actually make it happen. When you and I first met, uh, Homes for Heroes was really in the early stages. And now it is up and running in Calgary, and you've broken ground in, in Edmonton. Is that correct? Yeah, you know, I guess that is the case. You know, there's a couple, I mean, if you don't mind, I'll share the story with you. I mean, Please. The, um, Murray McCann is... Um, the gentleman that has brought the field of crosses uh, to Calgary, which is an incredible project. I was the president and uh, involved in that organization for 10 years. And it was actually, he came to me with an idea and and started talking about the idea of what was happening within uh, veterans homelessness. And, um, you know, I was, I couldn't believe uh, what was happening and how many, I mean, the Canadian government will say that we're about 2,500. We think there's closer to 6,000. And when I we look at the idea of homeless, we look at the idea that of our, our veterans that are living rough. They might be living on the street directly. They might be living sur- couch surfing. They might be um, uh, living in shelters, a combination of all those things. And so when our, our government looks at the numbers they're doing these counts in shelters point in time counts is what they're calling them so once every two years they'll go into a shelter and say are you a veteran uh and nine times out of ten our vets uh don't self-identify there's a huge pride factor there and at the same time there's a case that some of them are scared they might lose any benefits they have so anyway i think the numbers are much greater than are being quoted so uh, you know, when I started to really get an understanding of that is when I started to look at what the solution could be. And um, in doing that, really, the idea and the goal was to go out and talk to veterans. Um, it's as we've done with King and Legacy Project, and now we're doing with Homes of Heroes is, you know, this program is built by veterans. We sat down and chatted with two over 200 vets in regards to saying, look, we understand there's an issue of veteran homelessness. How in turn, what would you like to see? And that's what we developed. 
in the States, they say that roughly one out of four homeless are veterans. I wonder why Mm -hmm. the holdup in Canada to really acknowledge how many veterans are on the streets? Yeah, I don't, you know, I I don't know. Um, I have, we've had some positive and we are working well with Veterans Affairs. Um, And, you know, I just don't think they can get the numbers on it. You know, we try to, as an example, in Ontario, I mean, we're out looking to build three villages there. Uh, Premier Ford has made a commitment to our team to help and support. Um, The people that we understand have the numbers would be the Ontario Legion. And we've reached out to them on a number of occasions to say, you know, what numbers do you have? And um, that's not being shared with us for, for some reason. Um, and I have a feeling it has to do with the comments I made two years ago on your show. Um, so it, as I said, it's unfortunate that, you know, comments I made about one specific group has now led across the country and somehow I've embarrassed them. But, uh, you know, I believe in, in, in standing up for what you believe in and making comments when need be and, and people should, uh, uh, be accountable. So uh, I'm not going to dive too much more into that. But I haven't. I've invited sorry. the Legion on, or different reps from the Legion, who I consider um, I hold in high regard, and mm-hmm. I've invited them on to to have a chat uh, more than a few times. But you can lead a horse to water, and that's all you can do. So that's fine. But yeah. uh, hey, I'd love to have anyone that comes on and says I'm wrong. <laughs> look, like I, I mean, look, truly, I mean, I made comments, um, and uh, you know, there's there's no nothing to show that I was incorrect in what I said. Um, I, I believe people have talked to you independently, others that support things that I've said. So I'm going to leave it there. I, we'll, we'll move forward. But um, look, like we're talking about the numbers and trying to identify the numbers. I think there's a group uh, that's Canada that is on the streets. Um, they have some understanding, I believe. I think the Legion um, has some understanding of, of the numbers there. I mean, they, in fairness, you know, our, our younger veterans aren't really working within the Legion structure. They don't go to the Legion, so it's difficult. So uh, and then I think uh, Veterans Affairs has some numbers. Um, and then I think shelters have numbers. Now, if and, we could get everyone to work together, then we might have a better understanding of what those numbers are. And there's two veterans food banks in the entire country, and they're both here in Calgary. And uh, I'm sure that they could give us a better idea as well. Well, you know, I have a lot of time and respect for the Veterans Association Food Bank and, and the team there, Veterans for Veterans. Uh, they have a very good idea. I mean, quite frankly, they're one of our greatest supporters for the Homestead Heroes program. Um, you know, we have five of our vets are working there um, and, and helping out. And, and uh, any time that we need some support there, they've been there. And so I got a lot of time in, uh, for that group. One of the greatest tools to recover from PTSD is refinding a sense of purpose. One of the force mm-hmm. amplifiers for PTSD is losing that sense of purpose, losing that sense of doing something that matters for the greater good. And mm-hmm. when that's gone, to fill that void, uh, it's pretty simple to show up at uh, the Veterans Association Food Bank and and just help out. And anybody can do it. Even if you're in a wheelchair, you can help out there. 
and uh, that, and get that sense of purpose back. And they're always looking for for volunteers. And it's amazing the people that uh, I've met people that volunteer there forty hours a week on a regular basis, and they love it. Yeah, well, it's it's become this brotherhood, sisterhood, and uh, it's more than just a food bank. And not to say that that's uh, an easy task in itself, but um, you know we're um, uh, they're they're helping with uh, PTSD, post traumatic stress. Their um, their support services in, in regards to alcohol. Um, there's a lot of different programming there, and you know, again, they they've built something um, that is in in quite a short period of time that uh, I'm very proud of. Canyon Legacy Project supports them, uh, and I imagine, and I have talked to them. They should be very proud of the work they've done. They've done just an incredible job and uh, so much so that if there ever is overflow, it goes to the Calgary food bank and they're just, yeah, they've yeah. turned into an incredible organization. Well, you know what, this is again, from what you started out by saying is, is um, this is a group that the Calgary poppy fund food bank shut down. Uh, they understood there was a need and they, automatically address that need. I mean, right away, it was a matter of weeks and they were open. So um, they took action and uh, that's great to see. And that's certainly the, the uh, KM forces way is to, to, to take action. So uh, I was certainly proud of those guys. Yeah. What they've accomplished is, is truly amazing. And mm-hmm. for those that don't understand why in the hell would veterans need a food bank? It's uh, it's a pretty simple formula. Uh, so OSI is operational stress injuries that uh, otherwise known as post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD. Um, one of the side effects for many who suffer from it is it makes you kind of unemployable because you, with moral injury, there's often an event or a series of events that has you really sensitive to authority figures. So whether you're suffering from extreme depression or you're just defiant to any sort of a sense of injustice that you see, that's really tough when you're calling out the, the person that's signing your paychecks and you're saying, hey, man, you can't be doing that. What the heck do you think you're doing? And then you get fired. And uh, the first time you happen, that happens, it's not so bad. But then you get another job and you get fired again and you only last a couple of months. And then this happens a few more times. At some point in time, not being able to last at a job for more than two to six months takes its toll and mm-hmm. and compounds that depression and eventually you end up homeless. Um, or you're simply suffering from depression so badly that you're homeless. Either way, um, the, the effects of PTSD are force amplifiers and that is why there are, are homeless veterans. And it's interesting, the people yeah, there's, that, that don't you know, understand Mark, there's, that. Well, and that interesting, the fact that I think that, look, I, I think that there's a lot of people that don't understand post-traumatic stress. And I think you've, you've put it uh, quite well there in, in how some people are, are suffering and suffering in silence. Um you know, interesting enough that we, you know, as you said, like Homes Your Heroes uh, is a program and we we're building and our goal is to build across Canada. And we think we'll, we'll actually, we know we're going to accomplish that and very soon. But uh, interesting, just to this point of post-traumatic stress, you know, we had uh, an open house in, in one of these cities across Canada and, and um, you know, about a future build site. 
And I was amazed by just, you know, the general under not just people just do not understand. And I think their understanding of post-traumatic stress is what they see on in movies. And I had this one lady, unfortunately, say, hey, you know, you're going to build here. I'm like, yeah, yeah, this is their, the size of their community, 20 homes and so forth. Just, so you're going to lock them in, right? And I said, pardon? Uh, you're going to lock them in the community. And I said, no, these are their homes. They're welcome to come and go as they please. And she said, do you see over here, two miles down the road, there's a park where kids play? And I said, oh, yes, I, I see that. So you're going to let those uh, maniacs be free? They'll kill our children. I mean, that is the, one of the saddest things I've ever heard. I mean, how does it that somebody that served her country that saw some, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a mind injury. It's a mental injury, but that doesn't take them to the point that they're now are going to be a danger to society. And it really hurt me to hear someone say that. And, especially and I asked why. When exactly the opposite is true. Uh, it, you bet. Like, look, we're Calgary village. This is group here is, is helping within their community. The community in Calgary is, has uh, really been receptive. They're proud to have our Homes for Heroes Village and Forest Lawn. Um, these are not individuals that are out to hurt anyone. And it just saddens me that for some ideas, people believe that could be the case. And it's not. It's farthest from it. I mean, sadly, I mean, uh, with PTSD and, and drugs and alcohol, sometimes that comes into play. I mean, they're hurting themselves. Well, that's it. And... Uh... When it comes to to the protection of others, most people, if they see a violent or dangerous situation, they either freeze or run away. But not our community. We run towards the fire. And that. so if there's a playground full of children, if there's any sort of issue, the person that's going to see the issue before anybody else is a veteran. Um, uh, you it, know what, Mark, 100%. And, you know, the problem here is, again, like, you know, when we're – another open house they said you know we're really concerned that now a crime in our neighborhood is going to go up and i said actually it's going to be the completely the opposite you have 20 individuals that stood on guard for our country to protect the country that are now part of your community they will stand on guard for the community they will be there to help the community and and that is what's happened i mean we've our vets are, are volunteering within the community. Uh, they've created their own food share program, not for themselves, but for community members. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm quite proud of, of what's come out of this. Um, it's, uh, and it's, you know, we, we were able to build a, a village and a give uh, these veterans a home, which happens to be a tiny home. Uh, but it's they they worked on themselves and they worked to to move on. They've already had graduates from the program. So you say graduates. So this is a stepping stone program, then. Yeah, and maybe I'll back up. And I apologize. I should have maybe uh, attempt to uh, lose my train of thought and ramble on a little. So I apologize. But um, yeah, look. As I said, look, we went out and we met with veterans, and we said, look, we understand there's an issue. Uh, if we were to create something, what would it be? And so first thing that came in and said, our veterans said, look, like, you know, we need a safe environment. And uh, second is the idea they'd like to come into a program, uh, not just housing, but social service support. And it all stated that there's a reason that we're on the street. Uh, a majority of them was post-traumatic stress, but not all of them. 
Well, there is issues with drugs and alcohol and a difficult time transitioning to civilian life and finances and there's other factors. But, you know, our vet said, look, we want to come into a program, uh, get the help that we need. Um, and they wanted to come into a community, a community of peers, uh, people that understood uh, where they've been and where they're going. And uh, which makes sense. I mean, this is the brother sisterhood of, of what they're used to. And they want to come back and, and be within that group and work peer to peer programming. And uh, then they said, look, we want to get the help that we need. We want to get back on our feet and we want to then move out and make room for the next. So uh, that wasn't us creating that. It was them saying, um, you know, they want to move on and make sure the next person gets the same support so we can end the issue. And this is a lot different than a lot of demographics when it comes to affordable housing. Um, affordable housing across the country, as we all know, is a huge, huge issue. Um, one of the reasons I believe that's the case is that you know, we have people moving into affordable housing in their time of need, but when times get better, they're not moving out, they're staying in. And so there's no accountability to these people. There's no, and there's also no programming. The idea that housing first is this model that is being uh, praised as the solution. Um, Unfortunately, with that model, it's saying, look, we'll get somebody into a home. Then after the fact, we'll work about getting them any support they need. But if it's after the fact, traditionally what happens is that um, they're saying, actually, you know, I don't need any more help. I got a house now and I'm fine. Uh, bugger off. So <laughs> testament to our vets, look, they built our program. They uh, make room for the next. So when I say graduate, um, that means that they've came into the program. Uh, a needs analysis was done. A program was developed for their individual needs. They've worked that program. They've gotten back on their feet. They've got full-time employment. And then they've said that this they, their time has is done here within the, the community, and they want to leave the program to make room for the next, but then in turn, they're now mentors. So we've had two graduates within... 11 months and we'll have two more. So within the first year, we've had four people that'll graduate from our Calgary program. That's fantastic. And the sense of pride that comes with that. And when you don't have adequate housing, I mean, it's a pretty important foundation if you're going to try to be recovering and getting back on your feet. Without housing, it's pretty tough to feel good about yourself and to have enough stability to do anything to rebuild your life. Well, I mean, that's going to be the first step. So you imagine that you're on the street every day. You're and look again. I had a chance to speak to a lot of these individuals. Um, every day you're looking for the next place to sleep and your next meal. And for some, you're looking for your next drink. And so, um, you know, when you take those issues away, now you have a chance to rebuild. As I said, look, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a psychologist. I, I have someone that cares very deeply of those that serve. I have a great family connection. Um, we saw a solution. We believed we could create and build that program. And, uh, you know, in Calgary, we work with the mustard seed. Uh, there are program management in Edmonton. We're still determining who that might be. Uh, Manitoba will be building. We'll be building uh, the goal is to build three in BC, uh, uh, Victoria, 
Vancouver area and then in the interior and then into Ontario we're looking at we're looking at London um, Kingston Ottawa Hamilton possibly and then into Quebec and then into the maritime so um, lots of future growth for us that's absolutely spectacular um, you said you're gonna do it and now it's happening <laughs> we've got one village up and running Calgary is on its way and it's going national and it is happening and uh, Dave what you're doing is is truly saving lives uh, the suicide rate within the community is ridiculous and when you feel there's no hope, when you feel there's no support, when you feel nobody cares, that's where the suicide comes from, and by by and large. And what you're doing is throwing up a roadblock to that, and 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 providing uh, the support for people to where they go. Oh my God, there is hope. There is hope, and uh, and you give them that foundation, that footing that's required in order to take hold and start to recover and, and to get back on their feet. Well, you know, I, I appreciate that. It is a group effort. I mean, look, we have a small team. Um, we have a team of, of four and uh, we have, um, and that's, I say four, it's really three full-time, uh, one that's part-time, uh, but we have just brought in a whole new board of directors and, and they're very dedicated to helping us grow and, and seeing our mandate uh, through, um, you know, the interesting thing is is that what's happened within Canada is there has finally become this understanding, acknowledgement that housing and homelessness and and affordable housing is as is really at that tipping point. It's a big problem, and we actually, with COVID, we have an opportunity to jump in now and and fix that problem. So, you know, what's because during COVID time, you know, all provinces were having to react with with our homelessness, our home, our homeless individuals and find them solutions. So they weren't, you know, getting COVID and then affecting the rest of the community. So, you know, there were temporary sites set up and and uh, hotels purchased and so forth. So. There's now this opportunity as they found this lands, the lands weren't being used. Now we're looking at it and saying, look, we have to turn these into permanent solutions. And I got to say, Minister Hassan within our government, whose best is his portfolio and CMHC had listened. And they have announced roughly, I don't know, three weeks ago that they're putting a billion dollars into uh, affordable housing. Now, that's that's a small piece of what's needed, but the fact is they they're put they made this commitment and those dollars are going to be out the door in March and and we plan to be uh, and we are part of that conversation and we, with that we think that we can come forward and and build 15 villages within the next three years. Oh, it's spectacular and so important. Um, one of the staples of recovery is peer support. However, it's that's yeah. um, a topic that I'm so protective of because I've seen it done wrong. And when somebody is in the position of being a peer support facilitator or simply participating in a peer support group, it is truly a vulnerable sector kind of space. And if you do it wrong, somebody will never come back to it. If you do it right, um, it's 
a very powerful modality to healing. And that's what this entire podcast is, is a digital peer support. So people hear a culturally competent voice, uh, guests that get it, a host that gets it, and they realize, oh, I'm not alone. I'm not the only one going through this. And and here are the resources for, for recovery. So the Canadian Legacy Project also has a peer support program. It was in its infancy when you and I first spoke a couple of years back. Um, where is it now? What does it look like? So, well, you know, in switching gears to Canadian Legacy Project, you know, just so people know, Canadian Legacy Project is a charity that, that works across Canada uh, that builds and supports program that programs are not being offered by um, Veterans Affairs, and uh, it is run by volunteers. So, uh, with that, the dollars are able to that our donations are able to go into programming. So, we have a couple of programs on peer to peer support. Um, we have a program that we're partnering with with a group. It's called Mending on the Fly, and it's a fly fishing program. And this is being offered across across Canada. So our vets that are listening, and this is something that you're interested in, it is free of charge to veterans. And everything that Canadian Legacy Project does is free of charge. But um, the Mending on the Fly is a program that lasts over six months. And it really starts with groups uh, getting together and, and learning how to start with tying flies. Uh, as simple as that. And then working on the whole aspect of of fly fishing, learning how to fly fish, and then getting out uh, and doing weekend trips of fly fishing, day trips, fly fishing, and so forth. And, you know, fly fishing can be very therapeutic just on its own, but now when you bring in groups of 10, 15 individuals that, that, uh, you know, are, that need support in regards to having others around and people to talk to, it's become an incredible program. So we're thrilled by that program. Um, we also um, have uh, created an entrepreneur program, and uh, this this program is the whole idea here is to help our our veterans uh, start their own business. Um, but at the same time, it is again a peer to peer programming uh, piece. So um, the idea here is we um, you know there was a couple of programs that are out there right now in, in Canada. Um, which, you know, are, are very good. Uh, but we felt that the best for us is to partner with a university. So in doing that, we partnered with Mount Royal University. And, you know, when you graduate from, uh, it's called Business Boot Camp. Uh, when you graduate from that, you can use those credits uh, towards further education should you choose not to you know, develop your own business. So um, this idea, this program, it's a five-day program that tours across the country. And we have our instructors go into the community and they set up within local schools. And uh, we have classes of 20 to 30 students that work um, to learn and how to build their own business and start their own business. And that, again, is a peer-to-peer support program. Once they graduate, from this, um, then in turn, they become part of a network, which they can, you know, reach out to one another and help them in regards to anything. If it is something they're suffering with post-traumatic stress, uh, they're there to, to chat, but if they're also need support in growing their business, they, 
you know, are looking for insurance providers or they're looking they have employee issues or what have you. Uh, this is now a full network of entrepreneurs that uh, are veterans. All of these programs are so on point. Um, back mm-hmm. to the fly fishing, some of the great, yeah. greatest coping and healing tools that we were taught at the OSI clinic or, and anecdotally from the different uh, peer support groups that I'm a part of, um, mindfulness and meditation, huge, huge. And I mm-hmm. use them myself. Um, so important. Yeah, that's and, and you have to. It's, uh, it's mm-hmm. a crazy world out there. And without mindfulness and meditation, it's a lot crazier. The, the fly fishing provides both, um, and that's what the connection to nature does. It just gets you unplugged. It's so healthy. And, uh, and with the, uh, the entrepreneurial training, there's a yeah. reason that there's a whole lot of veterans that end up being truck drivers. It's because they just have to get away from people. And as, as I was saying before, when you just can't keep a job, well, then you got a couple of choices. You can either be homeless, be a truck driver, or be your own boss. And I've seen some very, very successful veterans um, because they are their own boss and they're they're doing their own thing, so they don't have to take orders from it, from anybody else. And mm-hmm. and that's actually true of so many entrepreneurs. Once you've worked for yourself, it's really tough to work for somebody else. But it's the same kind of idea with with veterans. It is difficult to work for somebody else and you're just hitting all those hot button points with these programs. So very on point, Dave, thank you for, for all that, that you're doing. Yeah. You know what? It's again, but the idea is to get out and talk to veterans like yourself uh, to build a program. So it isn't, there's too many times I've seen where people have an idea within the space and suggest this is what veterans need. And that statement alone just kills me. I hate the fact that this is, how about the fact of this is what we we spoke to uh, our vets, this is what they've asked for, and this is what we built. And that's what Canadian Legacy does, and that's what Homestead Heroes does. Well, it's all on point. And Dave, um, it's still a, a scream and shame that there's so much uh, disjointedness in the veteran support community. Um, but anyway, thank you so much for everything that you do. And, and of course you're not alone as you've, you always point out, uh, it's a whole team that you're working with. Um, tell me a bit about the team before we close out. Yeah. So as I said, with uh, Canadian legacy project, um, it's a volunteer network and it's, uh, it's my family. <laughs> so it's my brother and his wife and it's my wife. And we uh, serve as the board of directors to um, uh, look at various programs across the country and uh, uh, how we might institute develop programs or who we might support to get their programs off the ground. So as we mentioned, you know, one of the programs uh, we're involved in supporting is the uh, Veterans Association Food Bank. Um, you know, that's a financial support. They're there in turn, they're working uh, on their own and they build the program. Um, but, you know, there's also within, you know, there's an entrepreneurial programming that I spent a lot of time developing with Mount Royal University. There is a university bursary uh, that's available on annual basis to anyone that is served that is looking to, to um, get education uh, support financially or in turn uh, any children of, of those that have served. 
Uh, and so that's available at Mount Royal University. Um, there's housing, there's, um, and then certainly we spend a lot of time in recognition. And then we have a great program for those that are, it's food for service dogs. So uh, those that have uh, post-traumatic stress service dogs and they fall on difficult times financially, there is an application that you can go through Canadian Legacy and um, get uh, food support for your dog for three months. And then if you need to reapply, you can. So Canadian Legacy Project is truly something that has become a passion within our, our family. Um, the Homes for Heroes Project, uh, our team is, um, we have a lead planner, uh, which is Jacqueline. And, uh, and again, Jacqueline Howard, it's my wife. Her background is in planning and um, worked with Stantec for a long, lot of time. And uh, I managed to convince her to come and work for us at a complete discount of salary. <laughs> so, um, but she's she's doing some incredible work. And we have Cameron Dingham, and Cameron is is a vet, and he's in charge of uh, our fundraising uh, within the program. And then we have our finance uh, coordinator, which is Ashley. And then, and then uh, myself, I'm CEO and president. Uh, I spend most of my time uh, meeting with, um, <laughs> unfortunately, uh, I'm meeting with government. And uh, <laughs> we believe the solution here in building Home Heroes is that this is, I, I, I'm so tired of people saying this is a federal issue. It's a federal problem. Um, uh, what I would suggest to everyone that this is a problem that affects us as Canadians. And we need to show our pride, our respect, and our admiration for those that have served. And if they are falling on hard times, if they are on the street, if they are suffering in any means, it is up to us as Canadians to step up and reach out and help. Uh, we live in this great country because and on the backs of those. So, I want to implore people that this is this is a why we move forward is that we have great pride and great respect for those that are served. So I meet with um, provincial leaders, federal leaders, municipalities in regards to getting their support. So um, we go to them and, and ask them to get involved in regards to donating lands. Uh, for for us to build and as well uh, finances towards us and uh, I say it's not just a federal issue because somebody that is living on the street um, and I hate to just break it down but I, sometimes I have to is the fact that when you're talking to government is they're costing you know, the cities and the provinces just when they're on the street anywhere from fifty to eighty thousand dollars a year easily that's yeah so that's through shelters police services the whole gamut. So if you look at that, one of our tiny homes is less than that. So would it not be wise to put that investment into solving the issue as opposed to just stopping the bleeding? And so this is what we have to and I spend a lot of my time doing. So um, again, I apologize, I'm kind of rambling, but you know, then we have a great board of directors with Homestead Heroes. Um, this is, we brought this board in roughly seven months ago. Uh, Marie McCann, I think I mentioned, he's not involved in the organization. I mean, um, but so in turn, when we looked at creating a board of directors, uh, we really wanted to develop a board of directors that was um, 
able to help the organization grow. So when we first started in infancy, myself and Murray were on the board and we realized quickly that that's not gonna work. Um, so in turn, now I am, as I said, the president and CEO, I have stepped off the board uh, and now we have an independent board that is able to help us uh, across the country and is is really looking and doing some great work for us. Unfortunately, I think the issue with politicians not uh, being on board with uh, housing is that there's not a lot of homeless people that vote and therefore they don't really care about that vote or appeasing that vote and there's just not enough um, public support for, for for solving that issue and really it's the it's only through public pressure through letters to our MPs and whatnot that uh, that's the only way that those are issues that are going to be addressed you know it's, it's, I, you know I gotta say I, I'm I'm up with that belief but I um Minister Hassan has done an incredible job. That's so good. I've talked to him. I reached out to him and uh, was on a Zoom call with him. I sent him an email. Three days later, we're on a Zoom call. Uh, He's learned uh, inside and out about our program. Uh, He likes the fact that it's been built by our veterans. Um, So I have to give him credit. Also, you know, Veterans Affairs... um, Let me just say that I've heard a ton of horror stories in regards to Veterans Affairs, and and I can't comment on that. But what I can comment on is that they are covering the cost. So this is not their fault, but housing is not within their mandate. So it's it's not them that's changing. It's the leadership that has to change the mandate for affordable housing for veterans. So what they're trying to do is work within you know, what their mandate is. And so they're helping, they're covering the cost of our on-site counselors at our villages, which is incredible support. The other piece I think is the biggest piece of the support is the fact that when our tenants come into Homes for Heroes, and as I said before, there's a needs analysis done, and then there's a program put together, then Veterans Affairs representatives are coming to meet with our tenants. So they're helping them navigate the system, access funding, and then at the same time, getting them into to programs. So that's very unique to any other program across the country is to have that federal support uh, direct to our uh, the tenants. So I have to give both of those parties a, a lot of credit. Um, and as you know, Mark, I'm the first person to speak out if I don't believe uh, groups are are working well, or in, yeah, you know, I've, not, I've noticed that, Dave. I've <laughs> yeah, noticed I mean, that. Yeah, that's I get in a lot of trouble for that, um, unfortunately. <laughs> but you know, I, and I get criticized for that, but I have no issue with it. I'm not suggesting everything I say is is the right way to go. But uh, that being said, I have to give credit to those that have done a great job, and I think that, as I said, Minister Hassan has done a great job and continues to forge that way. More dollars are being put into affordable housing, which is important. Um, and I think Veterans Affairs is turning the corner there. I think um, uh, Walter Nemchak is deputy minister there. He has uh, he's doing some good work, and and uh, so hats off to them. I got to get all of them on the show eventually here too. Well, I think Walter would be an incredible person to speak to. I mean, I think most uh, people that have served know who he is. Um, it is interesting, I got to say, you know, within this space, it's so interesting that people have criticized so quickly. Um, and 
I've always been as I say, okay, you, you're criticizing groups. What can be done better? How can we do it better? As opposed to say, you know, he's full of shit. How about, okay, what, why? What's the solution? What, what's the solution? And, yeah. and, you know, in the homeless space, uh, you know, we've come together and created a program that this is what the veterans created. Now, experts in the field of, of homelessness, um, some have questioned that, you know, we're not the exact housing first model and we should be more tiered to that. And, you know, we're saying we're offering a solution that has been asked for and developed by veterans. So why be criticized? Why criticize that? That piece I, I, I just still have a hard time with. And I would just suggest those that spend their time criticizing others need to maybe focus on keeping themselves happy and, and working on their own job. So I've criticized and come out against um, uh, the, you know, it was the Calgary Coffee Fund and, and what their, their the mismanagement I took, a, took a beating for that. And I, I do apologize to any of those across the country that I offended. But it was time that we people stood up and said, what's happening within this organization? And, and I did that. Well, I am a pretty strong believer that freedom of speech is kind of a big deal and that it's okay hmm. to have different opinions and if it's okay to have critical opinions. And in fact, it's, it's, it's critical to have critical opinions. If you don't yeah. have them, uh, if you don't hold uh, people to account – well, that's not a democracy, you know. Uh, it's it's it, there's a bit of irony that I'm seeing here, that, because the what do we fight for as veterans? For freedoms, and yeah. you know, uh, and only through the clash of ideas is the spark of change. And you you have to have and or the spark of innovation or however that goes, but. It's okay to have dissenting opinions. It's okay to have critics. You have your share of critics. I'm sure I have mine. And, oh, uh, are we going to get into that? Because let's start there now. <laughs> no, I, I think didn't what, know we were going to talk about your critics. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah, it's all good. Nothing. Well, I'm yeah. sure they're out there somewhere. I'm sure they're out there. Sure, I'm sure they are, but uh, I don't. Again, yeah, I, I, like you said, there's people should be. It is a freedom of speech. It's that what uh, those that uh, stood on guard for a country fought for. Um, and look, there's there's like within what we do, there's a lot of incredible other groups. It doesn't make just because there's another group doing something similar or doing something different doesn't mean that. Uh, anyone else in that field is is useless or not. I mean, there's a lot of incredible programs, as I noted out there. Um, you know, I, I think Vets Canada is an example of a group that is is in the community and is getting out and talking to those on the streets. And uh, I think they're doing some great work across our country. I think uh, the Salvation Army, is, it's been followed upon them to do a lot of work within uh, on the streets and, and helping, helping our vets. And, and uh, I think that some of our, uh, some of our legions are doing incredible outreach um, uh, to or to support. Uh, so, you know, everybody's trying and I think that's important. And uh, just to close out, there's <laughs> just like there's stolen valor, there's fake uh, veterans out there. And I run, yeah. in, I run into more than my fair share of them. 
Uh, I haven't been yeah. accused of it yet. I'm, I'm still waiting for that one, but uh, I'm, I'm sure it's going to happen at some point. You've been waiting point. for someone. Sorry, you've been waiting for someone to accuse you of stolen valor. Well, it's got to happen at some point, but um, oh, really? I keep okay. hoping anyway. But because uh, well, be I, I think it would be fun. Well, uh, to be clear, I am not a veteran. I've never uh, claimed to be. Uh, I'm involved in supporting because of my my, my family. So. Oh, no, of course. But uh, where I was going to go is a um, uh, previous phone call that you and I had about Miles McDonald. Well, I opened, uh, there's a police file now right. open. So when you hear of Homes for Heroes, and if you run into Miles McDonald, uh, he's got an organization that's called... Um, Day, Memories of Days Gone By is one of one of the names, and OurWoundedWarriors.org uh, is one of his websites. So he's ripping mm. off Wounded Warriors by throwing an hour in the front of it and trying to associate himself, and it's very confusing. And I have seen this guy years ago, so he's been doing this for a long time. Mm. But um, what he's doing, and I have figured it out, is Miles McDonald um, got himself a business license. And on the drop-down list for uh, when you get a business license, it's, it simply asks what type of business. And it's just a drop-down list. You can pick yeah. pet store or uh, a taxi driver or any <laughs> types of, there's a thousand choices of types of business. He found charitable organization and he just clicked on that one. And that's all right. it is. And then he puts this out front of his booth and he says, look, 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 I'm a charity. <laughs> and maybe he actually believes that that's all you got to do to be a registered charity. But uh, no, he's not. I've run his numbers. He is not a registered charity and he's not a registered nonprofit. Um, yeah. So he is a fraud. Um, <laughs> and there is, well, a police, Mark, you know, there is a police yeah. file open right now. Mark, I've come across this, interesting enough, and uh, I've, I've heard, I, I, a lot of people have sent me notes about this gentleman, um, and the reason being is that he has told people that he is creating homes uh, for homeless veterans in Calgary. Now, I haven't seen this. He said that he's building them out of sea cans. <clears throat> now, just so we're very clear, Homes and Heroes homes are not sea cans. They're built in a warehouse at ATCO. Um, they are built from the ground up. Um, not to say that CCAN homes are uh, any lesser, but actually they're more expensive to build than they are if you use traditional build. A CCAN is very much just, uh, how do I put this? It's siding that you still have to work around. So I just want to make it clear to people that this gentleman, Miles, um, uh, is no affiliation with Home Heroes Project at all. Um, and if he is building a tiny home community made of sea cans in Calgary, um, we haven't seen it. And uh, it's not on the radar within the municipality uh, because I've asked affordable housing if there is any application or permitting for any other, uh, any um container home development in the city and the answer is no by his own admission he hasn't uh, uh procured land or or anything uh he's he's not a clever fella but he's clever enough to fool well, everybody with his business license <laughs> yeah he's, he's selling i think he's just selling shirts and t-shirts that's and what he is trinkets yeah. and trash yeah and, and saying the dollars are going to uh charity and and that we see that you know we see it a lot um you know i'm a believer that look 
like the poppy is an example. The poppy, I think, believe belongs to all Canadians. Um, you know, I think that it is a symbol to hold, uh, to support those uh, and pay recognition to those that we've lost, those that continue to serve, um, those that have served. And uh, I think that it's been built across the country of showing that support, just as the yellow ribbon has um, for our soldiers. So I don't believe that's owned by anyone or it should be owned by anyone. That is a national symbol. It's used in, in the UK as well. And, and no one tries to say that they own the rights to that. Different looking one, but still the same idea. But uh, It is. Look, it's important that we just, the, the true aspect here is not to jump up and down and say, well, Someone might own the poppy or the yellow ribbon because I truly don't think that's the case. I think the Legion has put together stating that there is a trademark in place for the poppy. Uh, um, at least I've, I've been advised of that. But um, look, the understanding and what we use remembrance for is truly is, is to pay respect. But the same token, we need to begin to spend more time and energy educating our youth about our, um, our, those that are serving and those that have served. Um, you know, we're doing that within Homes for Heroes. Um, every house is named after one of our fallen. And there is a plaque, a bio of that soldier in front of every single house. Now, the goal there is to have kids tour the village uh, on a monthly basis and, and learn from that. And uh, that goes a long way to get an understanding of and that's where the term, by the way, heroes comes from and the term homes for heroes. It's the naming of the homes after those that paid the ultimate sacrifice. And within Canadian Legacy Project, we spend a lot of our time uh, in the community across Canada creating programs to educate our youth. And if we do that and we do it well, then maybe we don't need groups like Homes for Heroes or Canadian Legacy because our next generation is going to stand up and demand that our government take care of them. Dave, I uh, have said it a thousand times. I'll say it a thousand more. Thank you so much for all the work and dedication of you and your family for these projects. And thank you for being on the show, um, for, for, for wading into these waters with me again. Now, uh, unlike, the, unlike our first time together, that was nothing more than a Facebook Live, and I never published it on any of my channels because of the uh, blowback that you got. But um, th this one <laughs> that was interesting. Yeah. That was interesting. But this one will be published. Yeah. And uh, Dave, honestly, I'm a huge fan. And stay on the line as I Thank close you. out. You're listening to Operation Tango Romeo, the Trauma Recovery Podcast. At Operation Tango Romeo, we are on a mission to save lives and relieve pain by making peer support for post-traumatic stress disorder easily accessible, with a vision of a world where finding help and support is simple and the path to recovery is clear. I am your OPSO, Mark Meinke, and this is Operation Tango Romeo, the Trauma Recovery Podcast.